Good morning. Glad that you're here, that we get to worship together. Um, hopefully you've already been able to connect with somebody that you, if you showed up alone or if you showed up with a family, either way, that you were just able to say hi to somebody and somebody's made you feel welcomed. Um, I, I've just, I, I look around and I see a lot of people um, that I've never seen before and a lot of people that I just see all the time that I haven't been able to sit down and just have coffee with and just have a conversation. If we've not been able, like if you've been here for a while or you're new, um, and we haven't sat down and just hung out. Like, would, would you put on the, the worship folder kind of thing, the tear off, and just say, hey, I want to have coffee with a pastor? Because I'd just love to sit down with you and get to know you and spend some time with you. Um, that's my heart, uh, is, just to, is just to hang out. So let's do that. Um, drop that in the, the box or something um, before you take off. Uh, I'd love to hang out with you. Um, if you've been with us for a while, you know that um, over the last couple months, we've been in this Rooted series. Um, and so I'm going to ask you to go ahead and open up your Bibles to, to Genesis chapter 1. Uh, and as you uh, find your way to Genesis chapter 1, uh, would you go also to the New Testament and put your finger in Matthew 25? Uh, because we're going to be there in just a little while as well. We're going to jump around uh, a little bit. But in our Rooted series, um, we've been asking um, some really hard questions along the way. We, we've asked questions like, who is God, Right? Uh, how does God talk to us? Why is there so much evil in the world? Um, how do we fight against Satan, uh, the, the spiritual forces of evil, two different kingdoms that we're living in? And uh, we also looked at last week with Tim, said, what is our purpose in, in life? And this morning, we're, we're not backing off of the hard questions. We're kind of going at it again. But I think the question that's on the table for this morning might actually be practically harder than anything that we've already talked about. Um, we, like, practically more difficult than anything that we've talked about. Um, and so we're talking about money. Um, yay! Yay! Um, I will let you know that over the, the six and a half years that I've been here, this is the first Sunday that we've specifically talked about money. So if you've never been to church before or you haven't been to church in a long time because your preconception of pastors is all that they ever do is talk about money, I'm sorry that this is a Sunday that you came in on. But you should know the ratio to which we speak of this. Um, but it is important, so maybe it's to my shame that we haven't talked about it uh, in depth uh, up to this uh, point. Um, but we are, we're talking about money, uh, and specifically we're talking about how does God want us to use our, our money. And I want to say from the outset, like I'm no financial expert, okay? Like money is not my thing. Actually, Numbers aren't my thing, and so uh, that's why I'm not a mathematician. That's why I'm not a CPA. Um, that's why I deal with words instead of numbers. It's just, it's just not my thing. Um, and in my house, we don't always have our ducks in a row, okay? We have ducks that are all over the place, and we're trying to pull them together to try to get them back in line. Sometimes they're in line, and sometimes they're out of line. And so as we're talking about money, you need to know I'm not coming from the perspective of I'm up here and trying to get everybody to get to where I'm at of understanding like we're on this playing field together trying to figure out how do we use the resources and the gifts and the, and the finances that God has given us. And so we're talking about that. Uh, when I, and, and here's one of the reasons I think why we're talking about it. Um, when I was growing up, uh, I, I would go to, to Sunday school in the mornings and before I would leave, my parents would give me uh, like a dollar or two um, to, to put into the offering or put into the tithe. And so I would take this dollar and I would roll it up in my hand. And by the time it was time to put the, the money into the, uh, the little box during Sunday school, um, like it'd be sweaty. Any, anybody else do that? Like you like had the little white 
giving box that would come in. So at a particular point in Sunday school class, the teacher would pass around the box and we would take that money and we would put in that dollar or two. And um, it was our offering. It was our, it was our tithe. Did anybody do the little white box growing up? Just like, am I, nobody, did anybody go to church when you're growing up? Yeah. So it's okay if you didn't, like we're here together. Um, uh, why did we do that? Why, why, did we, why did we tithe? Why did we put offerings in the box? Um, we were being taught from a very early age that giving was an important aspect of our faith. That, that our finances were an important aspect of our faith. And it didn't matter how much you gave, I mean, it didn't matter how much you had or how much you didn't have, you gave to the Lord and we were discipled into tithing, discipled into giving off offerings. Like in the New Testament, you, you find this passage of this, um, uh, this little old lady, uh, a widow, um, who's just like, doesn't have anything in her life. And uh, you have this picture that's kind of like her on one side and you have on the other side this, this incredibly rich man who's banking millions and she's got pennies. And, and Jesus talks of her going and putting her penny or two in the offering box and, and just giving everything, they're giving out of her poverty. And then you have this very, very rich man who gives a lot of money, but he's not giving out of his poverty. He's giving out of the overflow of what he has. And you see this heart issue between the two. So it wasn't about how much you gave or how much you didn't give or how much you have or don't have. It was an issue of the heart. And so from a very early age in our Sunday school classes, we were being discipled on what it looked like to give to the Lord, to tithe, to offer um, what was given to us back to him. And today, I think we're, we might be missing this in, in the church. I think maybe we're afraid to talk about money. Uh, not in terms of investing or, or crypto or um, what stocks that we should invest in and what the condition of our 401ks are in right now. Like we'll talk about those things, not necessarily from the stage, but we'll, we're not afraid to talk about those. But I think we're afraid to talk about God's heart for money because truthfully, maybe our heart doesn't always match his. Um, he might have a different perspective on money than what we might have on money and so sometimes we want what we want regardless of what God wants. And so we don't want to talk about it because we don't want to feel like we're in conflict to his idea. Because we're living in a culture right now that is a little skewed towards dollars and cents and a little less skewed towards character in Christ. Um, it's, it's all about the, the, the dollar. And so I want you to check this out. There's a, a lot of drama that goes around money, whether you're single or whether you're married, um, in relationship, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. But uh, I pulled down a couple of things uh, when it comes to marriage and relations and how money comes in and, and, and kind of foils things. And so we have this slide. So we did a, a little bit of study this week. So in a 2019 study by Ramsey Solutions, um, asking what is it that causes people to fight, they found out that money is the leading cause of fights. Anybody surprised by that? No, no, no. In a 2018 study done by creditcards.com, 13 million Americans have secret accounts or credit cards that their spouse or living partner doesn't know anything about. 13 million people. Are y'all being honest with your finances with each other? You keeping a little side hustle on the side that, that, that husband doesn't know about or wifey doesn't know about? 2019 survey by Policy Genius, 23% of people hide purchases from their spouse. Come on, let's be honest. Anybody done that? Like, uh, I want this thing, but I feel like it would be easier to apologize after I get it than to be like, hey, babe, do you think it's okay if I bring this home? Um, 
nobody wants to admit to that. I, I get it. 2017 survey conducted by American Institute of CPAs said that 73% of couples said that they argued about money at least occasionally. And the American Psychological Association Stress in America survey, that's a mouthful, um, said that money-related stress is a significant cause or source of anxiety for many Americans, which leads us to all kinds of personal issues and relational issues. And the reality is that in our relationships or friendships or marriages, um, we don't always see money the same. We don't spend money the same. When I sit down with young couples and do our premarital counseling, like we spend a lot of time on money because we give and we spend way differently from one another. And a lot of times that's influenced by how you grew up by how you saw mom and daddy spend, how you saw grandma and grandpa spend, or whether you had anything or whether you didn't have anything. And so we go into a marriage seeing things different. So we end up fighting with one another when we come in contrast. And so is there anybody in here that looks at those statistics and just says, wow, I am so, like, I did not see that coming. Right? I, did, I did not know that money was a leader of stress or that it was a cause of issues in marriages or that it was a root of all kinds of issues. No. Why, why, why is that? Because we feel that tension. Like, we feel that. And here's the truth. None of us likes to talk about this stuff. We don't like to talk about money. Um, some of you are questioning, like, I know I shouldn't have even come to church this morning. And, and, and now here we are. It's confirmed to me. I knew I shouldn't have come to church. Um, but here we are, and so we're doing it. And so um, did you know, though, that in your Bible, Jesus talks more about money than just about anything else? Did, did you know that? Like in your Bible, Jesus talks more about money than he does about faith. In your Bible that we pick up and read that Jesus talks about money more than he does about prayer even. Jesus talks about money more than just about anything else other than the kingdom of God. So if Jesus talks about money all the time and, and draws our attention to it, he's probably doing that for a reason. We probably ought to pay attention to what he's drawing our eyes to. Now we could come at it from a thousand different angles, but what I want to do is I want to focus on one word this morning. And so if you write things down, write this word down, stewardship, stewardship. How we handle our finances and our money, our resources, the things that God gives to us, it's an issue of stewardship. And that, and that flows out of our heart, but, but money is an issue of, of stewardship. Psalm 24, one says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world, all who live in it, all of it is his. Okay, so what that says is that, and so many other passages throughout scripture, whether it be Old Testament or New Testament, that says that everything belongs to God. He is the source. He is the creator. He's the provider. He is the owner of everything. There's nothing on this planet that, that is outside of, like he owns everything. And here's what I would say is a crazy thing about this ownership that God has of everything, that he's entrusted that to us. <laughs> he, he's given, like, he's a creator of everything, but he's given you and me responsibility to handle all, all of this. Now, he's a true owner of everything. And if we want to ma manage our money well, we've got to understand that our money is really his money. He's just loaned it to us. It's on loan. And so as stewards, we've got one job, just take care of what he's given us. That's your job. If you've got money, take care of what he's given you. I want to look at two places this morning um, where I think stewardship is really clear. And so if you're already in Genesis chapter one, um, flip over to that. Because stewardship, it goes all the way back to the garden. 
Um, so that's before credit cards, that's before checkbooks and crypto and NFTs, all that kind of stuff. It, goes all, it predates all that. So after God creates Adam and Eve, he puts them right smack in the middle of the garden. And he brings in all the animals and they all kind of huddle together. And he's like telling them, like, hey, you name all these guys. And they're looking at one another and they're looking at this place that God has put them in. And they are in paradise. I mean, they are in a very literal paradise. Now, for, for you and me, what's paradise? Like paradise is like, you know, we go on vacation. There's white sand beaches and there's beautiful blue ocean and palm trees and coconuts and drinks with umbrellas and fruit and all that, that kind of stuff. And, and there's the, the lawn chairs or the beach chairs that we kind of kick back in. And if that's not your vibe, the mountainside and the, and the sun and the, and the moon going over the mountains and uh, the, the snow-crested peaks and getting to see that. Like that, that's kind of paradise for us, right? That, but that's like vacation mode and we sit into relaxing. And when we have paradise around us, what we tend to do is to relax like we're on vacation, right? Like we kick up our feet, we grab our drink, we grab the umbrella, and, and we uh, grab, maybe grab a book, we hit the lawn chair, and we sit back and we relax. But in this garden, in paradise with Adam and Eve, he's like, hey, listen, all of this I've created for you. I want you to enjoy it, but you're not just going to be here in the garden and kick your feet up and do nothing. There's work here to do, good work rewarding work, things that you're going to find fulfillment in, but you're going to be doing some work while you're sitting in here in the garden. And he gave them three tasks to do, three tasks in the garden. Look at Genesis chapter one, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. Now, this alone is an incredibly beautiful passage. There's worth, there's dignity, there's identity, there's gender, all these things that are, are um, controversial in our society right now, God addresses in one verse in the very first chapter of the Bible. Beautiful passage. And then in verse 28, God blesses them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. Okay, so they've got three tasks to do here in the garden. They are to be fruitful and multiply. I think we know what that means. There's mama and daddy stuff. Go out there, have babies, fill the earth. And he says, subdue it. And that subdue means work the land, work the earth, take care of it. And then he says, have dominion over all those living things, over, over, over everything. Be fruitful, work the earth, take care of the living things. This was the job description of all of humanity. God said, hey, take care of my stuff. Now, here's a question. Why aren't bears walking around in control? Because they're not stewards. And God didn't tell them to do that. God didn't ask them to do that. Why aren't lions looking at you and having you locked up in, in the zoo and having you behind bars? Because they're not stewards. God didn't ask them to do that. Why are human beings at the top of the food chain and in charge? Because God designed it like this. He created us to be a steward of everything that belonged to him. That's what we are. We're, we're stewards. R.C. Sproul, a great pastor and theologian, um, he said this. It's going to be right there. Uh, whatever he makes, he owns. What we own, we own as stewards who have been given gifts by God him, himself. What he makes, he owns. We are stewards over what he's put us over. Now, in the ancient culture, a steward never was an, an owner 
of anything. The steward was a person who took care of the house, who took care of the field of somebody who owned the house or who owned the field. He was a hired hand by the owner to manage the house affairs. He managed the property. He was responsible for for allocating the resources from one thing to another to take care of the home. The steward's job was to make sure that the cupboards were full of food, that the money issues were taken care of, that the lawn was mowed and the weeds were down, that the house was kept in good repair. This was the job of of, of the steward. And so here's the deal. God didn't give Adam and Eve ownership of everything. He gave them stewardship of everything. He didn't say, hey, here are the keys. The whole thing is yours. I hope you like it. He, he kept the ownership rights and he gave them the ability to have responsibility over things and to manage it. So if we put this in terms of our, of our kids, of our children, I tell my kids all the time, I, I say, hey, go clean your room. <laughs> Pick up the stuff that's on your floor. Any, anybody else's kids just, just leave stuff everywhere in, in their room, all over the house? Um, I, I picked up like three pair of shoes that belonged to the same child yesterday in all different locations of the house. I said, what is going on here? Like, go, pick this up, go upstairs, clean your room, take care of your stuff. And the response is, well, it's my room. Like, it's my room. I should be able to do whatever I want in my room. I should be able to, if I want it to be messy, I should, it can be messy. I'm like, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I think we got a misconception of what's going on here. Like, who owns this place? Like, this house? That door you walk into from the driveway, like that door is mine, right? That side, like that's mine. Your room, it's my, it all belongs in this house. Your room is a part of what I already own. You are responsible. You are managing this area. And as long as I own this house, you are responsible to to manage this space. So go pick up your room. Go pick up your your shoes. It doesn't normally go well. doesn't go well for you either, does it? Yeah. Adam and Eve were asked to be stewards, fill the cupboards, mow the lawn, till the ground, manage the resources, manage the money. They were to make sure that the ground was tilled and taken care of, not uh, abused, and to make sure that the resources weren't being wasted. For Adam and Eve, this was a holy task to be responsible for what God had given them. And it's no different for us. Flip over to Matthew 25. It's a uh, Another passage of the same ilk. Um, the Matthew 25, uh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna read from 19 in just a minute, but the, it starts, I think, in verse 14, and it goes on. Um, but the context uh, of the passage is actually um, eternal kind of things, like the end of the world and when are things going to happen. And Jesus is giving all kinds of different parables, and he uses the image of, of, of an owner and a steward in order to communicate what the end is going to look like. Um, But there's dollars and cents that get wrapped up into this. And so in this story, you have a master who owns all kinds of ground, who who owns all kinds of property. And he's going out on a journey. And and while he's away, he gives money to his servants to take care of. Let's just just use modern dollars and cents here, okay? Um, To one, he gives $500. To one, he gives $200. And to one, he gives $100. Now, two of the fellas, they they work this out really, really well. And they invest the money. And and it it comes back. um, And and it's doubled or tripled or whatever those numbers are. The, the fellow who gets 100 bucks, he doesn't do very well with it. He buries it into the ground and knows his master to be a hard master. And so he doesn't want to lose it. So he doesn't use it well. He doesn't invest it. He doesn't, he's not very responsible with it. And so here's what Jesus says. He says that, that there, after a while, after a long time, the master of those servants came 
and he settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the the fellow with two talents comes back and the same thing, and the fellow with one comes back with a completely different story. In this parable, the master is representing God, and he's given money to his servants to handle well while he's away. And the expectation is that they're going to invest what he's given to them, and they're going to do that well so that there might be a return when he comes back. Some of them do. One of them doesn't. And to those who use the money and, and invest it as wise stewards of what was given to them, he says to them, well done. Well done. Enter into the joy of your master. It's another story for the one who buries what God has given to them and doesn't use their finances well. If, if Psalm 24.1 says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, if he owns it all, And we understand that he owns it all. That should shape our view of how we use all of our resources, especially money. If it all belongs to him and we're we're just, we're not owners of it, we're just tasked to take care of it, that should change everything that we do and how we spend our money. We have money given to us by God as a resource to manage well. And so let me ask you, how are you managing your resources? How are you managing your your finances? To be honest, Uh, Money is never an easy thing for us to get our arms around, and it's never an easy thing for us to keep our arms around. Um, Last year, um, I bought a pair of Air Jordan Jordan 5s. Um, Spent way too much money on on those shoes in order to get those. Um, Did anybody have those growing up? Anybody in here? Like like the cool kids? Yep, yep. I wasn't a cool kid, so I never got them. That's why I bought them. Uh, so as an adult, I went back to my childhood thinking about the things that I didn't have and that I maybe could buy right now. And so I ended up spending way too much money in order to get those to wear them. I got them into my closet. I tried them on. I said, where on earth am I ever going to wear these shoes? I said, I'm never going to wear these anywhere. And so then I tried to figure out how to try to sell them. And, and I did not sell them for what I, made, or for what I bought them for. And so I lost money on it. It was a ridiculous investment. It was a ridiculous purchase. And it was like, I don't know, it was like psychological issues that I was having, like going back to like being a kid. I don't know. Like you can psychoanalyze me later. But I bought these shoes and I wasted money. But when we look at our finances from this perspective, that we're just managers of it, not the owner of it. It helps us with our budgeting. We don't do dumb stuff like that. Um, it helps us with our saving and our giving and our overall financial decisions. Now, personally, over the years, um, I've been all over the map on this. There have been seasons of my life where I have been incredibly tight-fisted. And every dollar and every cent belonged to me. I spent for myself. I spent for my own needs to build my own little kingdom, for my comforts, for my desires, for, for my wishes, my little luxuries. And then there have been times in my life where I've understood this idea of stewardship, that none of it belongs to me. My job is to figure out how to use this money well, to, to be a blessing to my family, and to be a blessing to people around me so that others might know who Jesus is. And so I've tithed well, I've offered well. And I've understood what what scripture, I think, tells us about these things. And so I want to get kind of practical here for a moment, just to kind of shift gears as stewards. Like, how how do we actually live this thing out? 
How do we become good stewards of what God has given us? Everybody's got a different idea. Everybody's got a, an, an opinion. Um, but I think there's a very practical tool that um, all kinds of Christian financial advisors has, have used over the years with these different broad categories, trying to walk out this idea of stewardship. Now, remember, I am not an expert, and I'm not telling you how to do your money, but I, but I think this is a good idea here. Um, these guys have used the 10-10-80 the rule. Y'all, y'all familiar with 10 10 so 10, 10, 80 is giving 10% of your income, uh, spend, uh, uh, saving 10% of your income and spending 80% uh, of your income. Okay, um, this is the, the general idea. So the give section here is uh, uh, like a bucket that we can drop 10% in. In the church, we use language like we are giving back to God, right? Like if we talk about offering and and we talk about our tithing or uh, how we give money. We use terms like, I'm giving back to God. And whether we know it or not, we say that because internally, like, we know that it belongs to him. And so we are literally giving back to him when we tithe or when we give an offering because it doesn't belong to us. We're just managers of it. But does God need our money? No. He, he doesn't need our money. He owns everything, right? So then why does he want us to give back to him? Um, because honestly, if we don't let go of it, we'll start to worship it. If we're not free with our dollars, wisely free, we'll start to worship the dollars and it will wrap itself around our heart. Jesus told the disciples to be careful with money because you can't serve two masters. You can't serve money and God at the same time. You're gonna love one and you're gonna hate the other. And usually when money is wrapped around our hearts, it's God who gets pushed out. It's not money who gets pushed out. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, he says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. A lot of people will look at this passage and have looked at this passage over the years and, and they've said that money is, is evil. And, and of course it's used for all kinds of atrocities and to do all kinds of evil in, in our world. Um, and, and we see that being played out and we see it played out through history and, and we see that people will do just about anything sometimes for, for money. But the reality is money is neutral. Money is not evil. Money is neutral. How you use it and the grip it has on your heart, that's the issue. I, I've seen um, very generous people, I know very generous people who have lived their lives in incredibly generous ways to, to give money to send people to college. Um, who have bought cars for people whose cars are broken. I had, I had a guy give Ashley and I a car one time because ours was a piece of junk and like the engine was catching on fire. Like I just put it out. We'll drive it until, you know, I guess it burns down. And he's like, uh, you probably ought not do that. And, and he gave us a car. I've seen generous people pay bills for other people that could not pay their own bills. Uh, just here in our community um, in, in the, over the last few months, like we've seen generosity being played out from people. Like money's not neutral, right? With El Rancho. I think it's like $36,000. Is that right? Like 30, 36 more? How many? $45,000 in our community has been given generously by people in our community. Uh, yeah, the, the God's been good through people. To help those who are living in El Rancho to be relocated somewhere else because of, their, because of the situation there. I, so money is not evil, it, it, can, it can be used for good. It can be used for evil. At the same time, I've seen um, people use money in selfish ways. 
I've seen it used for evil. We hear of it being like people do anything for it. And haven't we, to some degree, on either side of this been there? Like we've used money in selfish ways and we've also at times been generous with our, our money too. So money's neutral. It's where our heart is on this. And so in the Bible, we see two types of giving. We see tithing, and then we see free will offerings that are given to God that he uses to bless communities. Um, and you've likely heard of both. A, a tithe comes out of the Old Testament, and it literally means a tenth part, or that's where we get 10% from. So people were supposed to bring the best or the first part of, of their earnings, of their crops or their food, their money, whatever it might be, and they were to offer that to God, which he would use um, as, as that person's act of worship, but he would also use that to, to feed the poor, to help the widows, to meet the needs of the orphans. Now, there's a debate um, uh, on if a person is still supposed to give 10% to God uh, by giving to the church uh, or in uh, any other ministry, like are you still supposed to tithe? Is, is tithe a thing? Or is it since the New Testament, are you supposed, is, is it different? Um, but however you want to look at it, 10% was actually never intended to be the only offering that somebody gave. That was like the baseline. This, this was the start to help people learn how to have a generous heart and to learn how to give and to meet the needs and to see the needs of the people who are around them. Actually, when you get to the New Testament, um, you see Paul talking about us learning how to give hilariously, um, laughably giving, uh, like it just, where it just blows your mind exceedingly. He says, give, out, give, give hilariously and generously, which speaks to the, the heart uh, of giving. Um, author Randy Alcorn, he, he says this, he says, the tithe was never a ceiling for giving. It was only a floor. It was a beginning point. Beyond it, God's children gave more, sometimes much more, as needs and opportunities arose. The tithe was a demonstration of obedience. And then the voluntary offerings, these free will offerings, were a demonstration of love, joy, and, and worship. And, and so here, here's a challenge for us. I was reading uh, in the Rooted material this week for the folks who are going through uh, Rooted. I was reading there. And in the book, there's a, there's a giving challenge. And they said that the hardest challenge in giving, it's not moving from a certain percentage to one more percent. So if like somebody gives 8%, like to move to 9% or 9 to 10 or whatever it might be, it's moving from doing nothing to doing something. From giving nothing to giving 1% or giving nothing to giving uh, a, a larger percent. That's, that's the harder move. Um, it's moving from nothing to something. And, and so let me issue the same challenge that I, that I read in the book this morning. If you've never given before, let me encourage you to give at least 1% and see if God would bless that in your life. If you've already been a giver already, increase that by 1% and see if God uses that as a, as a blessing. This is not health, wealth, prosperity, all that kind of stuff. We're not in a hole. We don't need your money. Like it's like we need your money. Um, but, sorry, Lonnie. Um, but this, this isn't a giving campaign. This isn't a, a, a reason for us to try to, to get more coming in the door. Like God is blessing and, it's, and, and he's been phenomenal. This is a challenge for us to, to, to learn to, to let our heart and our wallet be discipled by God. To not let our hearts be gripped um, by money or, or the love uh, of money. So the second um, bucket there is, is save. And we'll move quicker here. 
Saving is the portion of our income that we set aside for the future, for those rainy day things, right? When the uh, washers and dryers break or when there's car trouble or when there's unforeseen things that you would rather not have to go through, you have your rainy day bucket over here. That's the, that's the savings thing. And believe it or not, there's actually debate about if we're supposed to save money or, or not. There are some believers who are actually against saving anything be, because they believe that all those dollars don't need to be in a bank account. They don't need to be in an investment account. They need to be immediately out on the mission field and being used. And we are just supposed to trust that God's always going to provide. Now, he will provide. So there's uh, another angle that some have. Others would take another approach and they would say that we do have a responsibility for providing for the future and not finding ourselves in an unnecessary hole that we could have avoided. Yes, God will provide. He does manna things. Things show up in the mailbox. But we're also, in Proverbs, we're supposed to consider the ant who stores up and not to be like the sluggard who doesn't store up and who doesn't plan. And so there is scripture on both sides of the idea. And so I would say it is obedient to give generously. And it is at minimum wise to save. And if we're not saving now, that we could increasingly begin to save just as, as we give, like build up that bucket, 1% to 2% to 3% until your bucket is at that 10% line. Uh, and then the last one there is, is spending the spending bucket. Spending goes towards our, our daily needs like food and clothing and housing and transportation, um, those things. Now, you gotta understand that there's a difference between needs and wants, right? Do you tell your kids this? There's a difference between needs and wants. My wife tries to tell me this all, all the time, especially when I bought those ridiculous shoes. It's like, is that a need, Anthony? Well, I needed it at the time, right? but it turns out that it wasn't a need. Um, a new iPhone 15 to replace your iPhone 13 that is not broken is not a need. That is a want, okay? You might, it's a good want, but it is what it is. We sometimes, in the current culture that we're living in, um, we want to have more. We are kind of discontent. Um, we're, we're baited into being discontent with what we have, that we need to have more. And so um, we start spending um, on things that we don't need. We start spending with money that we don't have instead of considering that, hey, everything that we have that belongs to God, and my heart's in a better condition when I give before I spend. Um, when these buckets are in line, give, save, spend. When things get out of order, um, Satan starts to worm his way in, and he starts telling us that we need more, and then money begins to become our master, and we begin to become discontent with the things that we have. Um, there's so much more that we could say. Um, about money, so much more, um, but we don't have the time. And so I just throw out another question for you. How is stewarding God's resources going for you? How are, how are you handling your finances? Um, no shame, no guilt. This is just for you and the Lord um, to, to deal with. And so let me throw out a challenge for us. If you've never tithed, let me encourage you to consider tithing. If you don't budget your money, if you have no idea where your money is going, let me encourage you to create a budget so that you can become responsible stewards of what God has given you. So money is just not flying out the door and you get to the end of the month and you don't know where it went. Um, so let me encourage you to budget. Um, if you like practical, tangible things, um, let me encourage you to put out three jars. Put out a, 
uh, giving jar, put out a spending jar or uh, a saving jar and put out a, a giving uh, or a, a whatever they are. Um, giving, sp- giving, saving, spending to actually put those out for you as an individual. But if you have kids in your house, like, like we've got to disciple the next generation on how to handle our resources well. Encourage them to put out little jars, uh, to do the same thing, to, to have a, a, a giving, a saving, and a spending technique so that we are not gripped by um, uh, want all the time. And then I would say, look for ways to be a blessing. If God has just financially blessed you in ways that you just can't fathom, just be a blessing uh, to somebody. Um, we want to handle and steward what God has given us well because we will be accountable for it uh, one day. Um, and we want to hear well done, good and faithful servant with the things that he's given us. And so would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you so much um, for this morning. <laughs> love talking about money. Just love it. And uh, uh, you, know, <laughs> you know my heart. And so, uh, Lord, uh, we pray that you would lead us into the places of abundance just in trusting you. We can trust you with our dollars and we can trust you with the things that you've given us, the resources that you've given to us. And we want to be a blessing, ultimately. We don't, want, we don't want to hold things to ourselves. We want to bless those who are around us. We want to see people come to know Jesus because um, of, of the resources that you've given us. Any way that we can share the good news of Jesus with others, with our dollars and cents and what we invest in, um, God, we, we want to do that. And so would you uh, let us have honest conversations with you this week? And Holy Spirit, I'm just going to pray that you would move in us. We just want to be discipled in every area of our life. And so would you lead us into growth in our financial area of life? Let us not hold that back from you. You can have it too, Jesus. Pray in Jesus' name.